What's up, everybody? Welcome to SWAT MMA. This is episode 172. My name's Jared. I'm here with Paul. What up? And today we're talking all about the UFC 293 Adesanya versus Strickland pay-per-view upcoming next weekend. We're going to touch on a few other topics along the way before we get to all the combat sports. So y'all know what time it is. Grab that stash. Fire that shit right on up. And let's get into the weed of the week. Smoke weed every day. All right. All right, my man. Today, we have a couple different strains going on here. So we got some Blue Dream on the pen made by Select Elite. That's uh, one of their, I guess, whatever Elite Dad pens, I guess it's called. Uh, it's a 90% THC That's Blue Dream, high, a classic man. strain, you know. Um, and then also, we're puffing on a little joint here of some Amaretto Sour, which is going to be a hybrid uh, Sativa Dominant Cross of Amnesia and Super Silver Haze. I like both of those strains quite a bit, dude. I'm a very sativa-friendly person. So I fucks with the uh, amnesia, and I fucks with the... What was the other one you said? The haze? Super yeah. Silver Haze? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. I'm excited about this. I've never had this strain before. Yeah, I've never had this either. Uh, this one's coming in at a 22% THC. Oh, that's pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. I wish there was like... Some sort of sommelier person that could <laughs> take a puff on this and, and, and tell me wh- what exactly these flavors are. <laughs> oh. oh my god! No, this actually tastes really good though. I do taste uh, a little bit of fruity terpenes in there. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's smooth. Who made this? Um, this one is made by um Bluebird. Bluebirds. I've never even heard of them before. Me either. Mm. And we got this little oh, joint. Oh, it's called Deep Root, uh, Deep Roots Harvest. Oh, Deep Roots Harvest. I think Bluebirds is the, the like the what the, the little brand are. or whatever. Yeah, they have a Deep Roots Harvest um, dispensary here where I'm I'm pretty certain they only sell those products there. Oh, word. Which makes a lot more sense to me if you have a dispensary and you only sell your weed your your markup's going to be a lot better and what's already a fucking pretty tight industry yeah you know? i think it's just hard in this town because of all the weird laws that we have yeah this to, isn't the town to to own make a dispensary sustain profit without being in all the different dispensaries yeah yeah this is a well, that's why we have state, so few here you know what i mean we have so few comparatively to other states yeah all right, and what you say, this is Blue Dream in here. We got this other mm-hmm. joint with some Tangerine Dream uh, left over from the past few weeks that we've, we've been, been smoking on. All right, dog, let's go ahead and dive into uh, 293. Of course, we do want to thank Binoid for sponsoring the Weed of the Week segment. You can get good deals on CBD products by going to our website, SWATMMA.com, going to the Cool Stuff button, and then you'll find links that'll take you over to Binoid. You'll get 20% off coupon codes to use there with CBD products that are legal all across the U.S. Uh, real quick, before we dive into next week's um, pay-per-view, I did want to ask your thoughts a little bit on what we witnessed this weekend where Zero Gone uh, with the TKO victory over Sergey Spivak, and then also Rose Namajunas losing her flyweight debut. Well, Rose is at a rough stretch now. She's 3-3 three and three in her last six, and I thought she looked incredibly small in that fight. 
It's easy to forget that Rose used to be too small for the UFC. I mean, there was a 135-pound division, that was it, and she was fighting all the way down at fucking 108 in Invicta, bro. 108. Like, she's yeah. not a big person. <clears throat> and I felt like size like a tweener, though. came into play in that fight. I, I don't see why she would leave 115 personally, but whatever. It's her career. Um, but I don't know if she's going to have success up there if she can't beat... Um, she can't beat that level of fighter. Not that she's bad. I'm saying she's top tier in the division right now. She's a surging contender. But I really was expecting a Rose victory. I was foreseeing something like a head kick leading to a submission or a head kick leading to some ground and pound TKO. But mm-hmm. it, it just never materialized. Yeah, she had that nasty like finger dislocation thing going on too, which I it mean... was. Probably broken. I didn't hear afterwards, but I know it seemed broken at the time. Yeah. Um, there's a question I have for you, just based on what we've seen these last few outings from Rose. And I don't mean to sound harsh with this either, but I think it's time to get Pat out of her corner. I just feel like he, in the fight against... Um, Going back to the fight against Carlos Barza and then what transpired before and all that kind of stuff, I just feel that there's a little too much emotion in there and Rose is already a, an emotional fighter to begin with that I feel like sometimes he he knows she's so uh, emotional that he tries to get her to ride the wave more than to be realistic in what's going on and, and to switch things up. Whereas I thought in that fight there was clearly, you know, way she could have made adjustments between rounds and maybe pulled out a victory there. And I think, I think like, Pat kind of over-talks Trevor Women. And I don't even think leaving Trevor Women is that, that, like, part of this. I just think Pat Berry needs to no longer be in her corner. That's not what I thought you were going to say, but I feel it. <clears throat> She's very emotional. On the flip side of that, Pat might give her that type of security that enables her to focus and remain centered yeah. during a fight. And as a counterbalance or counter argument to my own statement, like if you're that fragile, should you really be fighting? If That's you have a- to have your significant other in your corner, I mean, and we, I don't know. I'm not saying she has to do that for fact, but it wouldn't surprise me, you know. Well, that's a question you have to ask yourself too, if you're Rose Namiens, because you have had a pretty, you know, successful career in the UFC, and very. I I don't necessarily see anything that she does in the future, uh, you know, <laughs> superseding any of the things that she's done in her career already. So, like, that, there, it does make that question also, like, what more do you have to prove? Or do you, do you really do this because you love this? And all that kind of shit, like, really matters at this point in Rose's career because there's two ways this goes. This is a small setback for a big comeback, or this is the beginning of the end for her in the UFC. Do you think after what you saw last weekend that that was the start of a comeback, just a, you know, a minor stepping stone in the new division before she goes on to greatness? It could have been. I mean, like, I, I do think the injury did affect the fight, but also didn't think she looked her sharpest either, you know? Yeah. Like, like I said, there was, I think there was pretty obvious, like, um, like competition there. She wasn't, like, outmatched. It was a close fight. Even though one of the judges gave it thirty twenty seven, which I didn't really get, but I did mm. think like she lost. It, 
she only lost by a round. I don't think it was a 30-27. No. I, I don't understand what's been happening these <laughs> last few uh, cards that have been happening with the, with the UFC with these like crazy 30-27s. But I don't know. I do think that, you know, she definitely has to go back to the drawing board. I don't it, think it was a close fight. I mean, if you look at the overall stats, she actually outstruck uh, Marion like 60 to 58. It was pretty close. You know, yeah, not that that's what I mean. Like, there were small, but... small incremental like changes she could have made within the fight that it, I just don't think she made because they were so focused on her. Like, I don't know. He like does this like rile you up thing in her corner between rounds for her. And I just, I don't like it. <laughs> it's like, dude, sit down and really tell her what the fuck's going on. Like she needs to make adjustments. Like that's, that's exactly what he was doing when he was, uh, when he was cornering her during, when she lost the t- <laughs> lost the title to Carlos Barza, he like does this weird thing where he just like he's like Rose, you're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Like it's weird. I don't like it. I think he's gotta go. Yeah, I feel you. It was a close fight. You know, round by round, it was nearly identical. I mean, Rose outstruck her twenty three eighteen round one. It was fifteen nineteen the other way round two. And twenty one, twenty two rows round three. I mean, so I don't know. I thought you were going to say she should retire. I don't think no. it's that bad yet. No, no, no. Whatever, we'll see what happens. I'm down. I think she needs some kind of change. She's going to have some shakeup because she's not shot. Right? You know, no. she just needs shakeup. Every fighter gets to that complacency sometimes, or to a point where somebody can only take you so far. And I think she needs to maybe lean more into. You know, Trevor Whitman in that side of her camp and a little less into, like, Pat. Yeah. Because Pat's good for her, like, coming up because, you know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, you outgrow your team or coaches or not even outgrow, but the, the sport changes around you and you need to make adjustments because it's such a, a dog-eat-dog sport. You know what I mean? Like, fighting is crazy. Anything can happen. But, um... With that well, being said, let's bounce up to the main event, yeah. which was just a total domination by Cyril Gaon over Sergey Spivak. I mean, it was a joke. Yeah, which I mm-hmm. I got a serious question for you though. Huh. So, with that being said, we're going into November where we're going to have Stipe and John, and there's a good chance both of them walk away after that fight. Do you think that Cyril Gaon is the best heavyweight in the UFC Jesus, outside no. of those two? No. No, I think Cyril Gaon can whoop up on a certain type of fighter, like a Derek Lewis, like a Sergey Spivak. And I'm not trying to shit on those guys. I'm just saying he's good, and he can beat these guys that can't really strike very well and haven't got the greatest takedown, but they got heavy hands. And they've got maybe decent MMA striking, which, like any, if you're, if you're keeping it on the feet, anybody that's got decent, more boxing-like striking is going to beat most people that just have this quote-unquote MMA striking. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think that's that's what we see here with with Cyril. I think that's the exact same Cyril Gaon that fought John. I don't believe this that that wasn't the Cyril Gaon that showed up in the ring against John Jones. I think it was. I think you just can't do that to a guy who's on that fucking level. He ain't gonna put up with that nonsense. But just looking at the division overall, maybe outside of like Tom Aspinall, the whole rest of the heavyweight division is pretty much. On yeah. What, that a, level what about that other that other streaking? Uh, European dude, yeah. But even him, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's got great power, and he's he melts people. But if you look at, even he was knocked out by Alistair Overeem because he got wild, and Alistair Overeem 
picked him apart. Aspinall is probably the best deal out there. I don't. I'm starting to lean into John's not retiring yet. He's starting to throw some so? names around and say some other shit. I'm and just we know if Stipe wins, here, that because John's definitely not retiring. Yeah, I'm just saying theoretically because if if John and Stipe both retire that night, I would say him and Tom Aspinall is probably going to be the vacant oh. title fight. I don't know. I've never been sold on Cyril Gunn. I'm not trying. I'm not saying he sucks or nothing. I'm just. I don't think he's the best heavyweight. I don't think he's this next evolution. Oh, I'm not saying that. Any of the means. any of the hype that was behind him, I, I think that. Um, if that guy that fought this past weekend against Sergey fought John Jones again, he would get handled in much the same way. Yeah. No. I don't. I, I don't, don't think you have a prayer. It's just there's levels to the game, and he ain't on John's level. I'm just saying in the world where John and Stipe aren't there anymore because that's going to be a, a quick reality, possibly. I think Tom Aspinall beats that dude pretty handily. Yeah? Yeah. I like Tom. I just want to see him, you know, on that next level. We'll like see. Kind of sucks. Hopefully, I'm hoping that um, John does not retire. I do too, but I, I just kind of, you got to think that even if it's not this one, it's probably after his next or something along those lines. I just feel like John's kind of... I think he's more done with the UFC than he is with fighting. Like, personally. Because it just seems like every single time he fights, there seems to be this like radio silence around when he's going to fight again. Because there's this weird relationship between him and the UFC and him and Dana White. And it's kind of, I don't know, maybe soured it for him to like really give a fuck about having all the records. Like, he pretty much has proven everything he ever needed to. And after he beat Stipe... Outside of, you know, statistically getting the records, he has nothing else to prove after that. Like, literally nothing. If him, him and Stipe are fighting for the greatest heavyweight of all time. And for John to walk away from the sport after being the greatest light heavyweight of all time then beating the greatest heavyweight of all time, it's, he's really fighting for his own legacy. And I don't think he can top that with any of those names outside of Stipe. Yeah, I mean, he's saying as much. On, and uh, you're probably correct. But circling back to this fight, I mean, it was such a total domination. That's why I called it a joke. I mean, it was like yeah. 111 strikes to 10. I mean, in, in round number one, Gain outstruck him, gone outstruck him 51 to 7. Round two, 58 to 4. I mean, yeah. you know. He couldn't. He just couldn't even get close to him. It was, Ghana was keeping him at bay with those freaking, he was hitting him with those nasty little body kicks, you know, those like straight ones where you hit him like in the bottom of the gut. That shit was, it was pretty much the difference because Spivak couldn't even get, Close. Dude, John Jones retires. That heavyweight division is going to fall apart. That's dude. what That's I mean. The yeah. Only thing keeping it interesting. Yeah. Like it's interesting watching him fight any of these young guys. If you're just a fan of fighting, because there's a lot of, like I see why John doesn't want it for legacy. He wants legacy fights, and that yeah. makes sense. But and then without Francis on top of that too, it's like now you have no Francis, no John, and possibly no Stipe. Like that—that's a dangerous game, man. The the division's gonna look like, honestly, like how the light heavyweight division. Looks well, the UFC's right in real trouble with this lawsuit, but we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Well, um, let's go ahead and uh, let's look ahead to Adesanya Strickland here. You know, this could have been Drikas Duplessis, but I think he wisely chose not to fight because of an injury. I mean, you can call that choosing not to fight. I I don't know. I mean. Why would you fight injured for the title yeah. on, the, on like, six-week turnaround time? It doesn't make any sense. As long as he doesn't lose a title fight, like, to somebody else after Sean, then everything's all good. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't fight. And there's nobody. Or, and the, the yeah. division's empty without this. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that's definitely what's next for Adesanya after he goes ahead and beats Sean Strickland, which is very much likely to happen. I mean, and I think there are paths to victory for Strickland, but it mainly, and I mean no disrespect, I actually like Strickland a lot. Mm -hmm. It's just this Israel Adesanya. I think the only way that Strickland wins is if Adesanya gets over-emotional and makes some poor decisions which I do think is possible. He's an incredibly emotional man. Like, that man's emotions rule his life, yeah, at least the life that we see publicly, okay? And so there is some possibility that that can happen in a fight with Sean Strickland because Strickland's a very annoying motherfucker. You know what the only, the only hole I see with, with that is, though, is that, like, Strickland is not going to, like, knock Izzy out. You know what I mean? Not not even in that way, but like I just mean the way Sean Strickland knocks Israel Adesanya out is if he puts some crazy pace because like Strickland has a very like similar striking like repertoire to like a Diaz brother, dude. He's going to like put a pace on you and just like land so many like strikes that maybe don't do like crazy damage to you, but he's just constantly scoring. Yeah, I mean he actually out. He outstrikes Izzy in stats. Yeah, because I mean, he just he lands almost jab. six per minute compared mm-hmm. to Izzy's almost four per minute. So, um, that's what I mean. Like he would have to do that over five rounds. I don't. I don't know if he would like. It wouldn't be like Perea, you know. It wouldn't be like oh, no. like the one big shot, you know. It would be. It would have to be like Izzy has a total meltdown or comes in injured or something like that himself, you know. And just tries to pull it out of his ass and has the worst night. It could be a John Jones, Chael Sonnen situation. Dude, that's what I mean. It would you have know, to be the some big kind toe of like got injured. We almost yeah. had Chael as champ because John's toe gets stuck in the spot between the cage and the mat, right? So, and I'm, I'm not trying to, again. I'm not. I'm not dissing Sean here. It sounds like I am. I fucking like that dude. I, I enjoy I watching Sean him fight, but like, bro. Come on. It's going to be a tough, tough night. It's a tough night. It's a tough out. It's possible. We could see a big toe situation. We could see Izzy have a meltdown. We've I mean, the guy Izzy was in the lose, fucking cage you know? screaming the N-word at Drekus Duplessis. <laughs> I mean, he's a fucking emotional dude, bro. He went after fucking Pierre's, like, 10-year-old son clowning him publicly. Like, little kids get under hey, this guy's skin. he was skin. 10 the first time. He was, like, 16. Like, <laughs> no, he was, like, 6 the first time. He's, like, 11 now. <laughs> It's. I mean, the the dude is is something, but he's gonna win this fight. Yeah, I do think that outside of maybe Duplessis and maybe like uh, Kamzat, those are like the only two people I can think of that would really give Izzy any kind of problem. That's the next fight not. for him after if Duplessis doesn't win, which I that's a whole different story when they yeah. fight. This, yeah. That's that's not the same situation we're looking at here. There's a chance he could lose that fight, but let's just, for the sake of this, say he wins and beats Duplessis as well. Kamzat's the only possible challenger if he's able to get by Costa. If he gets by Costa and fucking Duplessis loses, then that's the fight that's going to happen next after that. So, but that's a that's a big challenge there, which we'll touch on on another day, getting by Paula Costa for Chimea. Yeah, for sure. Well, outside of Strickland, Duplessis... And in Kamzat, I guess. Um, there's only one other name in the middleweight division that they... W- I'm not saying, like, do this tomorrow, but 
you know, since we're talking a couple fights in the Who, Jake Paul? No. <laughs> no, but uh, if he comes out and did, does what he did to his last opponent, I'm talking Bo Nickel. If he comes out and did what oh, his last right. opponent, that's like really, realistically, the next guy who would have to come up and face Izzy. And I'm not saying like tomorrow. Mm. I'm saying maybe a mm. year and a half, two years down the road. No, Bo is definitely the guy, but he is, I feel he's far away, not because of a lack of skill or anything, just he's far away with the matchmaking currently. Does he have a fight lined up? Not yet. It's all. It's it's pretty important what his next fight is. If they it give really him a ranked is. guy, even if it's like fifteen, yeah. If he does that, then he gets a like a top five or six guy and wins, which you he could he do goes... during the course of this Chimeyev, Duplessis bullshit. Yeah, you know. Or him and Chimeyev. Because we look like idiots if fucking Sean Strickland comes out and wins, then this whole conversation is moot. But no, that would be a hell of a I, thing. If, if Sean Strickland comes out and wins. It opens the conversation for everybody in the division. This is really what it does, you know? That's funny. I have to laugh at even at saying that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it does. You know, if um, Sean Strickland beats Israel Adesanya, I guarantee you Sean's not giving him a rematch. There's no way Sean would be like, fuck you. you guys. Are you kidding me? I just beat this motherfucker you said I couldn't beat. He ain't getting no motherfucking rematch. And then it opens all the doors. So, you know, you, then, you, then everyone's back in the conversation. <laughs> Whether you're fucking Marvin Vittori and fucking, you know, yeah. Derek Brunson, uh, not Derek Brunson, but um, ah, oh, goddamn it, uh, Robert Jared Whittaker. Cannonier just Cannonier. beat Sean Strickland. Yeah. So if I'm Jared Cannonier and somehow, some way, Sean Strickland pulls this out, I'm like, hey, motherfuckers, I'm the number one contender now because Whitaker just lost, Vittori just lost, and I just beat Sean Strickland. So where's my rematch? You know what I mean? So it just opens the doors for everyone. So it's for everyone's best wishes here that Israel Adesanya also stays champion. Yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about the co-main event, which is a fun fight. Yeah. I mean, we've got Alexander Volkov versus Taitu Vasa. Yep, this is, like you said, a fun fight. What are they, like number five and number three or something like that in heavyweight? But, I mean, it's an odd matchup because usually the UFC likes to match winners with winners and losers with losers. Mm-hmm. We've got Tivasa coming off back-to-back losses to Ciro Gan and uh, Pavlovich. Pavlovich, probably say his fucking name. And we've got, you know, um, Volkov coming off back-to-back wins. Yeah, but who were those wins against? Uh, Rosenstruck and uh, Romanov. That's what I mean. Ty, yeah, Rosenstruck. Ty beat both those fools. Oh, Ty, so. Ty is like another guy that gone tooled up. You know what I mean? Like he's perfectly tailored for someone like Cyril to tool up. Yeah, he's a fun fighter. Like him and Derek Lewis. That's a well, great fight. A let's do that though, shit. Dude. <laughs> like but like, like Stipe would murder. Like let's just talk about like Stipe would murder Ty Tuivasa. Oh yeah. Like, and it's not. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying there's a, there's certain level. Like and he wouldn't. He shouldn't get with sniffing rain of fucking John Jones. I mean, but this is a fun fight. Volkov, shit. Yeah. Volkov you know. has got some pretty good, you know, knockouts as well. It's it, Someone's going down in this fight, and that's just the reality of it, you know. Someone's getting knocked the fuck out. I'm hoping it's not Ty, because that would be utterly damaging for his career. You know, he needs a victory here. Yeah. He, can't, he can't lose three. He's a young dude. On He's Volkov's very... side, too, you can take an L. You're like fucking 50 already anyways. Right. 
I'm surprised Volkov keeps fighting, to be honest, because, like, he's had, if I was him, I'd ride off into the sunset right now, you know? He's not really in the any kind of picture like that, and he can't seem to get over the hump either, you know? Go out on a win. I have a hard time seeing a $85 plus whatever the hell ESPN plus costs now for this pay-per-view. Yeah, this one. Well, it was supposed to have, like, another fight. It was supposed to be Volkanovski against fucking Ilya Tapora, but Volkanovski broke his hand or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's the UFC's fault for fucking trying to make fights before fights happen. All right, well, let's talk about some things that came up over the course of the week in, in MMA. We've got the Gervonta Davis camp responding to Sean O'Malley's request for a fight or suggestions <laughs> for a fight. They're basically scoffing at that idea. And then Sean O'Malley responding back on his podcast, basically being like, dude, you're five foot two. Um, uh, and I just find I this whole thing just out. I'm, I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. Sean don't want that smoke. I love Sean O'Malley. I, he's probably going to be champ for a hot minute, and he's going to go make a ton of money, and I'm going to fucking watch all this shit. But you should be fighting Javante Davis. Like, I should be fighting Javante Davis, bro. They're, like, no, absolutely not. You would get murdered. Like, why does this keep happening? Why do we have to keep hearing this nonsense? They're not heavyweights. Like, you can get past the fucking the Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou thing a little bit because they're heavyweights, and everybody knows that anything literally can happen at heavyweight. Yeah. Sean O'Malley might not even be able to land a punch on Javante Davis, bro. Who was it? TJ Dillashaw or something like that? Who went in? Who's considered one of, like, more of the like striking aces of like you know that those lower weights right went in and tried to fucking spar Lomachenko and Lomachenko beat the fuck out of him. Dude, this is hockey players thinking they can fucking beat golf. It's the Happy Gilmore yeah. syndrome. Like, oh, I can go play in the Masters because I won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Like, and in the both things, you just use the stick and you hit the fucking round thing into the fucking hole. Like, nah, bro. That's a pretty good analogy. It is because honestly. Boxing I'm is so, just so tired much more complicated. It, it, it doesn't make sense. And Sean doesn't have the puncher's chance. Like, you're not, yeah. yes, I know he's got a lot of KOs. This, you're not heavyweights, though, dude. That's just not a factor in the fight. If anybody's going to not get knocked out, it's him. Yeah. Dude, I don't think he wants Javante Davis of all people. That's just yeah. a weird thing. Who wants to see that? Who thinks he's going to win that fight? Nope. I don't even know how that would, you know. Why do they keep no. doing this shit? Like, when is Dana going to get embarrassed that all his top stars immediately want to fight in another sport after attaining the championship level? I mean, it keeps happening. Yeah. You want to talk about disrespect? You know that Sean and Aljamain Sterling got paid the same base pay for that fight? Yeah, I saw that. And did you hear That's what fucking Dana up. said about Marab? Yeah. It was like, basically, you don't even belong in the UFC. Yeah, you because fight he doesn't want to fight Aldo. <clears throat> Why do they want to make that fight so bad? I don't even think that would be that fun of a fight. They would just be sitting there trying to take each other down the whole goddamn time. That's what I mean. It's just Dana nitpicking out to me. That's all I watch my life. I don't want to see that. <laughs> but no, for real. Like, what the fuck are we going to watch there? Like, they're not going to give it 300% and it's going to be some crazy fight. They don't want to fight each other. They'll move. They've literally stated on both occasions, where whether it's Marab saying he'd go down to 125 or Aljamain saying go up to 45, 
They just don't want to fucking fight each other. Get over it. Like, who fucking cares? Why like, does Dana get so butthurt about this type of thing? Especially when he, on the other hand, talks about how they're friggin' independent contractors. Yeah. Independent contractors don't have to do what you say, bro. They can be like, yeah. nah, I'm going to pass on this one. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you don't want to prove you're, you're the best in the world? That's what he said about Marab. <laughs> Come on, bro. Dude, they already know who's the best between the two of them. They're in the gym. They've been in the gym together for years. They've yeah. sparred how many rounds together? They fucking know. Yeah. And they're not going to tell us, but they know. Not only that, too, they know, like, they helped each other get to where they are now. Like, it's not like, it's going to be hard to build up the want to beat down someone you fucking helped you get somewhere in life, you know? Exactly. It's interesting, though. I don't understand it. I think Dana could make that fight with Marab and Sean, or, or not. Go with fucking all those motherfuckers, but there's so many other matchup combinations you can make before you end up with Aljo versus Marab. Just because that weight class is so, you know, so deep and so competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, even Aljo said, like, it's Marab's chance to fight for the belt. If he feels that way too, then what do you, lo- there's no reason for Dana to be shit talking it, you know? Absolutely. What about Jorge? Masvidal talking about uh, he wants to come back essentially for a fight and defend, quote-unquote, the BMF title against Justin Gaethje. I'd watch it, I guess. I'd watch it. He'd get murdered. Gaethje would tool that motherfucker up so bad, bro. Not really. I don't I don't think he'd tool him up that bad. You I don't? just feel like, no, because I don't really think Justin oh. Gaethje's that great, to be honest. Ooh. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a hater, but I've never, I don't know. I've never yeah, really thought, I never really Poirier. considered like Justin Gaethje like one of the elite lightweights. Like I think he's mm. up there, but like I think he has obvious holes that all the best guys he's fought have all all fucking you know. Yeah, managed. but he wouldn't have those holes against Mons at all. Masvidal yeah, but he also would down. exclusively do the thing that Masvidal would have any chance of winning at. And it's on the feet. I think the only Gaethje's way Masvidal, way better on the feet than Masvidal. Well not maybe not better like Technically, that's what I mean. But I mean, he hits way harder. He he's he got a, way more of a gas tank. He's he's, he's more of a fucking dog. He's way more of a oh, dog. Oh yeah, than no, I agree. Well, that's what all that fake. I'm a dog shit. Justin Gaethje's the real shit. But like, I do think one the X factor that would be in that fight is the one thing that Masvidal is really really good at is hitting landing like combos when people leave openings over time. Like if you look at all of his best wins. Like, the Darren Till fight. He kind of got his ass whipped by Darren Till when that fight started. But then he, like, started a rhythm because he saw how Darren Till, you know, was was throwing strikes, knocks him out. You watch in the Nate Diaz fight, he had mm. his, like, you know, he has his best fights against guys, like, you know, including Justin Gaethje, that, that tend to, like, fight at a rhythm because he finds weird holes. And that's when he's always had his crazy knockouts or his crazy, you know, whether it's, you know, all the different finishes he's had over the last few years that made him into, like, you know, the superstar he was there for a second. I feel like those holes are there when you fight someone like Justin Gaethje. And I think that's why him and Poirier was such a good fight because they both had those holes. It was like, who's going to find him first, though? And that's kind of what him and Masvidal would be. Him and Masvidal would be a fight of two guys that 
are very exciting to watch, but have holes in whoever finds, you know, whoever fucking exploits, you know, the deficiencies in the others, you know, striking it, that's where the fight ends. Whether it's him or Cage. All right. Well, we had some news <clears throat> on the Conor McGregor front versus Michael Chandler in a way, in a roundabout way. Yeah. A UFC fight pass on their schedule for that December date, I believe it's the 16th, suddenly it pops up McGregor Chandler. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Is it real? Is that just some, some dude fucked around? Because we've seen a similar thing happen right here in Vegas. They fucked up on the T-Mobile screen, yeah. and they announced John Jones's return fight before they meant to, like a full day or two or more in advance, like everybody was tripping. Yep. And then they tried to play it off at first, like, no, no, but yeah, it, it was, and he had to just come out and announce it. This isn't as dramatic as that, yeah. but... I mean, there's precedent for it to be legit. Yeah, I hope so. So that would mean McGregor is getting the exemption. Probably. I'm not surprised. That would also mean that McGregor should be training while he is actively out publicly drinking right now. Like, he's publicly out drinking whiskey, beers. He's, he's on a promotional tour for his new stout. Yeah, but created. what are we in September? If the fight's in December... It's way outside of his camp. I mean, I feel like if he, let's say, he just, like, gets through his promotional tour, gets to work by, like, mid-October, like, he can get himself in a pretty damn good shape. and Do an eight-week camp, you think? <clears throat> well, I feel like camp would be eight weeks. I think more, I just mean more of, like, the regular gym, you know, routine would have to start around, like, October if he was taking this seriously. You know, you, you've... You know, what, we're four months out, five months out, whatever. Do you think he gets off you would have meds to. he's taking, whatever you want to say? I don't mean he's on the sauce like he's taking illegal steroids, like a bodybuilder or something. I don't think he's on it anymore. He's already. been taking things to help accelerate the healing of his body, clearly. I think it was prescribed by doctors. He's not, like, in the back of the gym getting the secret sauce. Yeah. But they're definitely illegal. They're definitely of a steroid nature. Like, illegal in the UFC. Yeah. competition. Do you think he's going to stop taking them, or do you think he's already off it? I don't think he's on it anymore. I don't think he would. Then he what's would. the holdup? Why wouldn't he just take some fucking piss tests? Mm, because I think the, that kind of stuff probably stays in your system for a pretty solid amount of time. Mm. And you don't want to be caught taking like some blockers or shit, because then that's when everyone really knows you're on it. If he's being straight up, which he has, and the UFC has been and all the doctors and everyone involved has been pretty straight up that he was not taking anything performance enhancing, but something to help heal his bones. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal either, but on the flip side, I think it's bullshit. I don't think Connor ever fights. I think he might box again, but I don't think he ever fights in the UFC again. I don't, I don't believe yeah. it. Uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan uh, earlier today when he had uh, Jared Cannonier on his podcast, mm. and he was saying that because all these like crazy breaks and stuff has been happening in the UFC over the last couple of years, that actually UFC and USADA are trying to legalize peptides so fighters can come back from injuries without it being like this big like fucking media fucking thing mm-hmm. and that they'll be exempt from USADA and there won't be this like six-month testing pool and shit when they have to come back. Which, I mean, obviously aren't necessarily the highest level of, like, whatever. I mean, obviously, it's 
God, I don't really know what peptides are. I know they're like on, they're supposed to super help healing and I guess yeah. some kind of, you know, performance enhancing. You can buy that shit at GNC. I know that's yeah. about the length of, or the amount of my knowledge. Well, no, I just know that they weren't growth. legal under USADA. <laughs> yeah. And if they're, it just seems that UFC is slowly but surely ousting USADA and it's going to happen soon. I guarantee it. I don't know. There's interesting things afoot. I mean, the UFC deal is almost over for ESPN. Uh-huh. Disney, the the owner of ESPN, is in dire fucking trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're cutting costs all over the place. And it turns out, you know, ESPN is actually very expensive for cable companies. Like, it's the most expensive show. If you, like, like Cox, when they have their cable package, mm-hmm. okay, like, they have to pay the networks for those shows to be in their cable package. Yeah. And the most expensive... Thing to for them to purchase is yeah. ESPN. It's like twenty eight bucks yeah. versus like other networks are like nine ten dollars. Okay, so they face some problems there because cables already everybody's bouncing off of it. Yeah, and Disney's cutting costs everywhere, and ESPN's also very expensive, which is why they fired a bunch of co-hosts lately. Now they do on the plus side have a bunch of deals with everybody, like laid out in contractual things with like MLB, NFL, hockey. Sometimes some of them yeah, go into the then, 2030s. They're losing some of but. that shit, too. Because they uh, now this year, the NFL, what used to have, like um, like the doubleheader Monday night games and stuff like that, the NFL has these like Thursday night football games that are all being mm-hmm. broadcast by different fucking streamers. Like yeah, some, I saw some on um, like ones last on Hulu, year, there was some YouTube on Amazon, TV, all that yeah. shit, Amazon. Yeah, YouTube has some. And so... When it comes time for the UFC deal to be up, they're obviously going to ask for more money, mm-hmm. and ESPN might be in a position to say no. ESPN is also looking for a partner to come in and almost like co-sponsor the network, like a mm-hmm. major like sporting partner, like like ESPN and the NFL teaming up together, or something along those lines. So it's it's just interesting times. There could be a step back that which is included in the deal with the WWE because. WWE has pretty exclusively been on Fox and um, uh, the USA Network for the last fucking 20 years yeah, since I was a forever. child. Yeah, I was a kid. It was on USA, bro. Yeah. yeah, so... I swear to God. What if something similar like that happens to the UFC, dude? Because you got to think, they're not... WME is running the ship now, and they got WWE and the UFC and all of the show business in the back of their pocket. So, well, there's another factor that weighs in on all of this, and we it's too complicated to dive into deep details, but there's been major developments with the antitrust lawsuit yeah. brought by John Fitch and Kung Lee mm-hmm. and others against the UFC, and they're very likely, like all indications are, it's under appeal right now because the judge ruled completely in the fighter's favor, basically. Yeah. And that judge already laid out a whole bunch of shady shit that he thinks the UFC does. And they could be forced to not only pay out a shit ton of money, yeah. like upwards of three to four billion dollars to fighters, they could be forced to change their contracts, their payment, all sorts of things that are going to affect that practices. that very much prized profitability that the UFC has. And on top of that, it turns out that remember all we heard about all this money that Ari Emanuel and all the fucking people that invested in the UFC were getting. Yeah. Like, oh, they cashed out. They got all these millions of dollars. It turns out the UFC, they fucking got that. It was on loans. They took out loans 
to pay back investors. So there's just a lot of different things that by themselves may not be the end of the world, but you start looking at the ESPN deal, you start looking at the possibility of them getting injunctions against their business practices mm-hmm. and losing this court deal with billions of dollars at stake. We could see the UFC be not only lose the ESPN deal, but be put up for sale by Endeavor. You think so? I mean, it's remote. It's unlikely because of the deal they just did with WWE and forming the new company. But it's still, to me, it's still something that's on the table. Like yeah, this, this fucking lawsuit could qu- cripple them. Dude. Yeah, it could cause sweeping changes through the entire like business. Whether it is just the UFC and WWE, because we've seen a big reason why WWE were sold to begin with was they were kind of starting to lose money and doing crazy, you know, sweeping layoffs throughout their roster and creative side of things and i feel like unfortunately they you know what's going to come down to all this shit though if you're the ufc is how long can you draw this shit out yeah and because, keep making all these profits yeah because yeah. if they continue to draw this shit out in court which they could possibly another like you know three four five years just that's just how fucking shit happens you know there's so many dude it's already avenues. been like seven eight years something like that it's it, they could definitely drag it out i'm sure i mean i don't i'm not i'm I'm not wise to the ins and outs of the legal system, especially mm-hmm. with something as complicated as this. Yeah. So maybe maybe it, it is going to get fast faster tracked after this point because of the class certification that the the, the judge put forth, mm-hmm. and the strong likelihood that they're going to lose that appeal on the class certification. But I don't know, dude. But it, it's it's something to keep an eye on. The sport of MMA could change pretty dramatically over the next couple of years if these things happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. We should close today talking about. Yep. So, I know sure. that we haven't really seen any major news articles come out and talk about this yet, but it seems that everybody who has an MMA podcast or has been talking about these two different brands, they're talking about there's a merger between the PFL and Bellator coming down. Yeah, I've heard that too, yeah. I haven't seen anything official yet, but... There was been all these weird releases by both le- uh, both the PFL and Bellator, and then they're talking about these merger cards, and then now all of a sudden, there's been just little, little rumors all over the place that they're the Bellator is being bought by the PFL. I think that's um I think that also is where we heard was the root of those original Bellators for sale, and or about to be sold rumors, that we heard it. It's maybe it wasn't necessarily it's the PFL thing. Yeah, is what it is. Whether it's a merger or a sale, I think it's smart for them to merge and form <coughs> a joint company. PFL. The Bellator fighting. I just wonder which. I mean, I guess since we're saying the PFL would mer, the Bellator would be immersed into the PFL formatting. Yeah, I'm assuming the PFL formatting is not going to change. Look, they do some things right. Their smart cage idea, the stats they show, shit like that, makes it a lot more interesting. I wish the UFC would do shit like that, dude. I just had the greatest idea ever, and Bellator's got to pay me if they end up doing this. You know what they could do? Hmm. The PFL is trying to make this whole, you know, like regular season fight thing, you know, where it's this, you know, it's going to be like the other pro sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What if they considered the people from Bellator the same way, like originally in football, the AFL? And the National Football League came together, and that's what made the NFC and the AFC. Bellator could come in, and they could have the Bellator division and the PFL division, and 
they could have playoffs, and at the end of Fuck. the year, every year that Bellator champ fights the PFL champ, and both things stay alive, but they're both still immersed with. Oh, that would actually be dope. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Because then you'd still see those same great fights. It would be so we... much more interesting. Right. I would feel like it would. Yeah. Now you got to pay me PFL because I'm not fucking around. No, that's that's a really interesting idea. Because they are big on that. And you can see Bellator has its roots in that tournament format anyways, which is essentially what PFL is doing. It's what they've been doing for the last so you know, five years. So you could years. see that, that would actually be pretty interesting. That would be sick, huh? I would, I would watch that. I just thought about that literally yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting, though. I mean, we got some really big stars from Bellator that will enter this tournament for PFL, like... I'd love to see what happens when, you know, you get the Pitbull brothers, AJ McKee, freaking all these, you know, they've got a pretty fucking great bantamweight division as well. You know, you got Pettis and all these other all these other cats. Yeah. We're talking about organizations that are also completely opposite from the UFC when it comes to their willingness to let their fighters participate in other sports outside of their organization. Yeah. They don't care you want to go box, cool. Bellator is like, go box, fucking bare knuckle box. Mm-hmm. Fucking PFLs letting go do your thing. They're not even letting him. They're not even involved with that in Ghana. Yeah, they're but not like even PFLs like getting their fucking cut. Yeah. He's doing his own thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm I'm down with that. That would be pretty sick. I'm finding myself more and more anti UFC ever since the Fertitta sold it. Not the fighters or the belts or anything. It's just the way it's run and this yeah. bullshit. It, it's I'm over it, man. But if you think about it, the Fertitta saw where it was going, and they're like, Doug, y'all are sick, but we ain't paying you that we much. We gotta go. <laughs> like, you motherfuckers are getting expensive out of here. Frank out there on a boat somewhere right now drinking some. Watching UFC 293. Yep. <laughs> Let's go, Izzy. <laughs> Thanks for the fucking yacht. All right, man, I want to thank Binoid CBD for sponsoring the Weed of the Week segment earlier. Remind everybody you can get good deals uh, on their CBD. And they actually have some legal Delta 9 THC products as well that are available. They're legal in most states across the country. We got all that shit grouped together uh, with some other stuff. Where at, Paul? Swatmay.com, where you can head over there. Also, click the gear button, buy a t-shirt, support the podcast. Then head over to Instagram and follow us at Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Peace.